I think we spend uh, too much time coming and trying to bring a, a cup that's full to the Lord. And I think, I think you're better uh, to come and empty out your cup to the Lord so that he can fill it. You've heard it like you can't fill a full cup. Um, you can't learn from a sermon that you think you already know. And praise is supposed to like empty out those things in our hearts so that God can actually fill us up again because that's really what we want. So I'm Pastor Corey. If we haven't met, we would love to meet this Pastor Aaron. That's what we've met before, but maybe we haven't met you and we would love to. Um, we'd love to meet you in the lobby afterwards. Love to, uh, you in, to introduce us to your kids if you're new. Um, and there's Pizza with Pastors today after this service. And so if that's you and you're like, hey, we've never met, we haven't come to Pizza with Pastors yet, uh, come on board. If you're nervous about coming because you think that we're going to make you sing a song in front of everybody or do an interpretive dance, we will. Um, so grab somebody in the chair beside you and say, hey, would you go with me? We don't actually do that. Uh, that would be awful um, for you and for us. And so, um, but grab somebody because there is free pizza. We'd love to talk to you a little bit about the church and just um, get you in your next steps into the church. So that's after the service today. we got a bunch of people signed up already. So we kind of want to do this before the fall rush. And so it's going to be great. Um, do you ever wake up like kind of worried about the wrong thing? I woke up and I had a dream last night that I feel like I need to tell you about. I dreamt that my nephew Liam tried to rob my house and did such a terrible job of it that I felt sorry for him. So I'm like, just stay there and I'll come and make you guys some eggs. You ever have weird dreams like that? I woke up this morning thinking about... Um, um, Michael W. Smith and Lecrae are coming to town for the Victorious Festival. If, if you haven't heard about that, join and sign up for the emails. So that's going to be super fun whenever that is, September, end of September. Um, anyways, I've been asked to host that, and I woke up this morning, if you can imagine, I woke up this morning worried about introducing Lecrae and getting it all. Do you know who Lecrae is? He, he's like the premier hip-hop artist of our day, Christ follower. This is a great place to invite an unchurched person. If you do, actually, let us know, because we can get you some free tickets for your unchurched friends. So... Um, so anyways, but I woke up that I messed up the whole intro to Lecrae. And he's like, you're not Andy Minio, get out of here. And so anyways, uh, so whatever. If you don't get it, listen to Lecrae. Can we put some Lecrae into some emails this week? Okay, y'all need to listen to some good music. Um, awesome. First Wednesday is coming, not this Wednesday, but the next Wednesday. And first Wednesday is a night. It starts at 7 o'clock on Wednesdays. Uh, there's childcare, and it's awesome for kids as well. So um, it's a, a night that we just come and we worship the Lord, and there's kind of a sort of a prophetic teaching moment in there. Um, and by prophetic, I mean we dance around with a bunch of snakes, and it gets real weird. Um, no, it's just like God is like letting you know what's coming in your life and letting you know where the church is going. And, and uh, we always say, you can come to First Wednesday and sow the seed of First Wednesday, or you can struggle all month and not enjoy your life. Um, God just does incredible things, and there's just so much ministry time that happens and people get free at first Wednesday. You're going to love it. Um, but there are snakes. No, there are. I'm just, I'm just kidding. It's not, there's no snakes. We don't have any snakes. Okay. Um, and then the last thing that I want to share is that um, our Church in the Wild series is starting on September the 10th. That is our, like, fall kickoff, y'all. So invite your neighbors to that. I love our invite atmosphere here. Uh, invite your neighbors to that. Kids, there's, like, bounce. Well, I don't know what there is. There's the big things in the parking lot. And there's food. And there's a churro truck coming for free. 
because of your generosity, we can do this and put on an event for the city. And so that's just such an easy place to invite somebody who's new in. So, all right. Um, you know, at the venue kids meeting, I love our invite culture. At our venue kids meeting, I got to share this with you. It was cute. I wasn't there. Um, but my daughters told me that, um, that Kelly, do you know Kelly Hamilton? She's got a, a child named James. And, um, and James comes inside. It says, um, Neil and Kelly, uh, um, and James was playing with his friends outside. Then he came inside his house to grab his Bible, which is weird when you're playing with friends. And when his mom asked why, he said, my friend said that he met God and that he's not actually that powerful. I don't think he's right, so I'm getting my Bible. Red Sea much? Resurrection much? What's up? Uh, Sean's daughter, Elwyn, my girls told me, Elwyn had two, I think, stuffies or toys. And the one stuffy says to the other stuffy, God's not real. And the other stuffy is like, God is real. That's not true. Because stuffies need to go to heaven too, everybody. Okay. Thanks, Sean. Um, all right. Today is uh, part three of my sermon series called Weird. Uh, today's sermon is called Pillar of Salt. Uh, Abraham has a nephew named Lot, and his wife turns back to the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah and turns into a pillar of salt. So, um, so that's weird. And so we're talking in this series about four Bible passages that are really odd and weird because they're about church people that are odd and weird. So these things actually happened um, in history, and we're going to read about them and, and sort of tackle them. So the whole question is, why would you turn back to Sodom and Gomorrah when God is destroying it? Well, why would you turn back to your old way of life and your old way of thinking? Why would anybody turn back and try to get back into yesterday when God has a future for you tomorrow? But there's something in us that does. There's something in you that wants to go back. You know, there's something in Israel that's like, the promised land is scary. Let's go back to Egypt. You know, there's just something in us that doesn't even make any sense that we'd want to go back. Um, so, some of you... The reason you can't walk into tomorrow is because you haven't dealt with yesterday. And we offer a freedom group starting up led by Pastor Aaron and her team that everybody who's gone through freedom groups is like, I finally dealt with yesterday's baggage. And now I can walk into my relationships in the future, not just drag everything. It's like a giant elastic that just keeps pulling you back, you know. It's like Al Pacino does. They keep pulling me back. Y'all haven't watched The Godfather? Okay. If you're offended by that, this will definitely be the wrong church for you. Okay. So, um, anyways, the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, if you got kids in here, um, I would check them into venue kids. I would do that anyways because I would just do that anyways. That's where they're going to grow spiritually. But I'm going to go through the reasons why God had to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And it is not a PG, uh, it's a big boy sermon. So you're going to see the wickedness in the world at the time. And unless you feel like having the world's most awkward conversation after the sermon, um, check your kids in. But here's what I would say. They will spiritually grow there. They won't spiritually grow here. Here's what I would also suggest. You might not spiritually grow here with your kids here because you're parenting them. And you should be parented. Okay. I'm just going to say that. Okay. Now, um, now, a fair warning. Don't get mad at me for preaching about what's in the Bible. Okay. Um, psychologically... Jesus says, Jesus says, no one, everybody say no one. No one. All of everybody actually say no one. no 
Okay. No one. Do you think that includes you? He could have said no one except for me, but he was just being nice to us, right? So he means like all y'all. No one, he says, prefers new wine. He's talking of himself and the move of God and the Holy Spirit. No one. He's like, God wants to do something new in the earth, but no one prefers new wine immediately. They, they, they like what they're used to. He says, the problem is you need a new wineskin for the new wine, or you put new wine in an old wineskin, and it bursts, and then everything is wrecked. You know, then, then the world ends. You know. But he's saying, no one, and I know that you tell yourself, no, I would appreciate God doing something new in my life. I would love that. I would. But he says, no one immediately prefers it. So I think if we could just start there and just say, like, the revelation and freedom God wants you to get out of this sermon, you're not going to immediately prefer. And there's a reason why that I'll, that I'll go into. You know, we had um, like 56 of our small group leaders uh, in a meeting on Wednesday night, and, many, and I gave them a challenge. I kind of pushed some of them a little bit, and I could see on their faces that they didn't immediately prefer it. <laughs> but they responded well. They, they learned to prefer it. And because they did, I think that our church can handle more people in small groups and you will be in good hands. Because they decided, I need a new wineskin. I, I need a new wineskin. If that's what the cost is to take care of people and pastor people, then we're going to pay it. Um, now, she turns back and becomes a pillar of salt. You know, turning back towards the destruction of something God needs to destroy in your life will not turn you into a supermodel. It turns you into salt. And I've been like, why salt? Salt is good, right? Anybody like salt? I love salt. My wife put me off of salt for one year. I don't know what it was I did. I could pick a lot of things probably. I don't know what one thing pushed her over the edge. But don't ever go see your wife's doctor. Now, I don't have a doctor because I don't believe in getting sick. I don't believe in physical injuries. I'm just like, I'll just tough it out. And, but I needed a pair of orthotics. And I had to get a note for it because I didn't want to pay for it. So. so I went to her doctor, and she slipped a piece of paper in my pocket and said, just give this to her when you get there. And me, because I'm stupid, I didn't read it first. And okay, there's like trust in marriage, and then there's just being stupid. And so I got my orthotics prescription. I'm good. And then I pull this out and hand it over there. I don't know what it says. And she reads it and she says, high blood pressure. Do you have high blood pressure? I'm like, I don't know. She goes, are you afraid that you have high blood pressure? I'm like, I am now. <laughs> and so I get hooked up to the thing and then they pump it up. And it's, you know, I, I don't know if I've ever done this before. It's scary. And I'm a big boy, and I'm not afraid of anything, but I'm scared to death. <laughs> and the numbers came out, and she's like, yeah, that's high, she says. You're going to have to stop eating salt for a year. I love salt. Eating salt is why God put me on this earth. <laughs> I go into work, and I worked in industry, and the guys were not, you know, some of y'all work in workplaces where people are, encouraging always asking you how you feel it was in a job site with a bunch of guys that uh, would get their fast food 
hamburgers and then pour entire salt packets on it. Even when it tasted disgusting, they're like, oh, this is good. You can't eat this. You can't do this. I'm like, it doesn't taste that good. I kind of want to try it, but one year of my life. And then I go back, but I didn't go back to her little pet doctor. I went back to a different doctor. And I got hooked up. And the numbers come out. I'm like, it's high, right? And the guy goes, well, it's a bit high, but you're probably nervous because you're at the doctor's. And I'm like, well, the last time cost me a year of salt. I'm, of course I'm nervous. He goes, you're fine. And then I'm like, what did she do? Why a pillar of salt? There's parts in the Bible that say, like, you ought to be salt in the world. What good is, ready? A Christian, what's good is a person who goes to church and got no flavor? Y'all, church is not supposed to be boring. It's supposed to be flavor. You're supposed to be different than the people around you. Everybody else at work is supposed to get offended at the boss and upset and gossip. And you're supposed to be like, I don't know. I'm okay. She's not that bad. Everybody else is supposed to be mad at their dad forever. And you'd be like, I forgive my dad. I'm good. God sealed me. I'm good. I got friends. I got father figures. I'm good. You're supposed to be different. See, salt is supposed to stay on the steak. But when you turn back to your old life, you take it off the steak. You take it off of the post-harvest. And you put it in the soil. Why would we do that? Why, when we turn back to the old way of life, when we get pulled back into the old way of feeling and thinking and speaking and relating and arguing and parenting and spending, and we get pulled back, it takes the salt from the stake and puts it in the soil. Salt in the soil creates barrenness. When there's salt, and you know that there's something barren about the soil of your life, because good soil produces great harvest. Barren soil, everything that seems to touch your life seems to die a little bit. Or something's just not, there's no oil in the machine. Everything is harder than it ought to be. It'll grow a crop, but not the crop. You know, God wants your life to be, it says, it says God comes to your life looking for fruit. Not just a little, much fruit. And, but why do we keep going back to putting the salt in the soil and not bearing the fruit? There's something about us that wants to do that. You know, why would you... Why do you want to go back to your old way of life? There's nothing back there for you. God has a future plan for you that is incredible. It's hard, but it's great. There's nothing back there for you. I had some, we had some friends of ours who were like, I would consider them lifelong friends. Uh, for decades, we, we had friends in my dad's church. Um, he was on my dad's board. He was on my board when I came here for some years. I grew up with his son. I could give you the whole history. They got saved out of a crazy mess and became Christ followers. God redeemed their lives from destruction. It was, he was planning on committing suicide. He was driving his grain truck down the road. He just didn't know what to do anymore. He was planning on driving it off of the road at the bottom of a hill down by car stairs. And he found himself on the other side, still in his truck. And then the Lord saved his life. So this is where they came from. Like no hope into this family of God. And it was incredible. And, um, and I and we were heavily invested in them. Like during COVID, their son, his son's marriage was on the rocks, and we took time. Like we, that was not a good time 
for our family. I mean, we were going through some hell as a family too and in our marriage. And like right in this time, I had to take two or three hours and just like dig into this marriage and uncover some stuff and like bring reconciliate and do this. And it just about took me out. Like it was like a near sort of thing for me. I was just so, it was just putting me back into a lot of stuff that I didn't want to go back into to have to help them. And so, but we did it. We love people. We love to serve. But during COVID, what something funny, you all remember COVID? Everybody's blood pressure is rising. <laughs> Don't let your blood pressure rise. You're going to have to go off salt. <laughs> they started getting upset about stuff. Everybody got upset about stuff. Doesn't even matter what you got upset about. I think we just got upset. We just felt out of control. And, and uh, on one side or the other, you know. And um, they, they got upset. Um, and they stopped, they stopped coming to church when um, masks were mandated. I don't know how you feel about all that. But um, we're like, well, I wore a mask in church-ish. I did, though. I'm like, well, no, I mean, it was got to serve people, got to love people. You know, they, they, they didn't want to come because it was inconvenient for them. They didn't like breathing through masks. I'm like, well, I get that. But, you know, we had a girl when we were in that building over there. We're only like a six or seven year old church. And so this is our first building that we own. And God has been pretty great to, to do this. And so, but when we're in that building, we're renting that. And, and a girl decides not to commit suicide because she came to one church service that week. Right. So, so that's why we you know, we're inconvenienced or whatever that looks like. So um, they kind of stopped coming in that time because they don't want to do that. They actually, you ready? After decades, they actually left the church. And one of the key things was that our family decided to get vaccinated. I don't know how you feel about that. We didn't do it because we were afraid. We didn't, you know, I think they were worried that the government was tricking us or whatever, whatever they were worried about. God told our family that we needed to go on a holiday outside of the country because the country was driving me crazy. But God also needed to fix something in our family that got fixed on that trip. And so I'm just like, okay, well, when God told us that the only, okay, okay, I don't know how you stand about all that. They got so upset about it that they ended up leaving the church. And I'm like, that happened to the best. And I'm thinking... That could happen to me. You know, the minute you think it can't happen to you is the minute it's happening. That could actually happen to me. I'm going to tell you some things at the end that they stopped doing that you can't stop doing. I'm like, so here we are. It's Lot's wife. This is Abraham. His name was Abraham. That's before his name was changed. I'm just going to call him Abraham because it's easier. Abraham, the father of faith, the best guy in the Old Testament. His nephew's wife turns back and becomes a pillar of salt. The best of the best. I mean, who, nobody else got to hang out with Abraham. How did, how did it happen to her? I'm thinking, why, why, how could it happen to my friends? Why would you go back to a life of loneliness and bitterness? You know what's back there. Why would, why would Israel go back to Egypt? Why would they like, hey, we want to go back to Egypt. We're going to pick a new guy. Why? Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. You come from brokenness. You got some messed up stuff in your head. You got stuff that pulls you back. You know why you go back there? Because you already know how to play the game. You got skills. You grew up in a manipulative family. Guess what? You're good at it. You grew up in a family that was good at control. 
or you grew up in chaos and you're like, I'm going to control every aspect of my life so I never get surprised again. I'm never going to. You're good at that. You know what you're not good at? Letting the Lord control your life. Letting the Lord control your outcome. Letting the Lord tell you what to do. I'm good at getting what I want, but are you good at getting the Lord what he wants? Because that's what you want. That's, that's what will get you what you want. Or change what you want. Why do we keep getting pulled back here? You know, I, I was pretty good at skiing. Like, not good, good, but in my mind, I was probably better than I was, but whatever. Good at skiing, and I tried snowboarding. Once. Then I went back. Some of y'all have been redeemed from country music to Christian hip-hop. But there's this thing that keeps dragging you back. Why do we go backwards? Because it's easier on your pride to win at failing than fail at winning. Because that's what you're good at. This, you're going to have to learn a whole new set of rules that you don't know, that you're not good at. You've got to build skill. It's gonna, you're going to fail. You're going to look like an idiot. But you can win over here and you still look like an idiot. Because there's nothing back there for you. I need to say this. Somebody remembers your life when you were a child. There's nothing back there for you. You remember this time when you think that you had no pressure and you're like, that's great, but people grow up. Some of you are thinking of your marriages 20 years ago and you're like, I remember when we used to have fun. But you gained 20 years. You can't go back. You can't go back to when your child was a cute baby and now they're a rebellious teenager and you're like, I just want to jam you back into that baby. <laughs> it's too late. But God has a plan now. And the more you want to go back and the more you want to try to recreate something that's not coming back because the more time you spend going back, you can't go back into the tomorrow that God wants you to have. There is a future and there is a hope and God is a good God. Healthy soil is harder than when you put the salt back in. Let me tell you why. Because when I put the salt back in, then it doesn't matter. I don't have to respond well. I don't have to dig the rocks of sin out of my life. I don't have to let God's cultivator of humility go over me. Oh, why? Because it's, it's full of salt. It doesn't matter. I don't have to let people fertilize on me. I don't need manure mixed into this because it's full of salt. It doesn't matter. And God's like, hey, I want you to like, hey, you're going to get treated bad at work this week, but I want you to show everybody what Jesus looks like. You know, but you get a bumper crop out of here. You get nothing out, out of this. Not just you, not just you. Everybody around you gets better, but health is harder. You know, you think that a person... With an unhealthy soul, marrying a person with a healthy soul. Like, it's not your fault you grew up in the home you grew up in, but you marry somebody out of a great home. You think that this would be like, just trade up. Just trade up, right? But I watch unhealthy people marry healthy people and be miserable. Why? Because trading up is hard. It's going to cost you. It's going to cost you everything you think you're good at. Because the win is all in the wrong place. What is a win back here is actually a loss. You got to trade what win is. You just don't know how to pay for it yet. My dad watched, my mom, my mom would tell me this. I should talk to her about this. Whatever. 
I'm not afraid of my mom. I'm deathly afraid of my mom. But I don't live in the same house as her. And she'll cool off. Just give her a couple of days. So, so my mom said when, when they first got married, see, they both came from unhealthiness, but mom came from Irish unhealthy. Where's my Irish people at? Okay, when Irish are unhealthy, everybody know. My dad came from, like, the Dutch side. So when they're unhealthy, they just work harder. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? They're just, like, stubborn and quiet and work harder. Nobody knows. Irish, everybody know. So she would get upset, and she goes, I'd, I'd, I'd walk through the kitchen, and he's sitting at the kitchen table, and I walk through the kitchen and slam all the cupboard doors. And it's like, try to get a rise out of him, right? Because from her home, that's what you're good at. You learn how to slam cupboard doors. Or you're like, slam that door. Come on, slam that door. Just let him know, right? Because she's good at anger. She's good at manipulation. She's good at all the... And my dad would sit there, and this is what she would say. She would say, your dad would just sit there and, and just in his... You know Pastor Richard? I take, I take after my mom, y'all, because he'd come. I've never heard him yell. He'd, he'd sit there and say, I don't see what you get out of that. He was a bit stupid, too. And then he'd say, I guess I'll go get my tools and fix the doors. And all the attention that mom wanted is now being spent on the doors. You know what's harder? You know what's harder? Saying, can I get a hug? I'm uh, afraid. Can I just get a little attention? Look, the father's not going to say no. Your father in heaven? You just can't manipulate him into doing something. Why? You just, I'm worried. I'm, I'm running out of money. God, I'm worried. I just need some help. I need some. I'm afraid of what work is going to be like tomorrow. I'm afraid that my friendship with this person is on the rocks. I'm afraid. I'm just, that's hard. This is not hard. This is hard. This is hard to like. Can I tell you about an, an argument I lost with Pastor Aaron? It's the only one, so. Everybody's got a thing. I'm good at winning arguments, man. Okay. All the ladies are on Aaron's team. Y'all hunt in packs, and that's not right. You're like, how does he know? I've been watching you. So this is what happened. Um, now, Pastor Aaron was a trooper in COVID. I went into the store, like, twice because somebody put arrows on the floor. You don't put an arrow on the floor that. What's that? It's the way you're supposed to walk. Me? <laughs> Pastor Erin is a rule follower. And she, we're walking past an aisle in Walmart. And I see what I want right there. And it's six feet up the aisle, but the arrow. I look at that arrow, I'm like, and there's nobody in the aisle. <laughs> Somebody thought that up. Somebody got paid to think that up. It's like fake salt. Somebody thought that up. Logan Lucky, just saying, okay. I see this there, so I'm like, she's like, we can't go there. I'm like, the heck? We? I turned my cart around and went, burp, burp, burp. <laughs> You remember the great toilet paper scare? That is the only thing your great-grandkids are going to ask you about. 
Y'all stocked up on toilet paper? We're like, yeah. God bless Pastor Aaron. She keep calling me like, we need more toilet paper. I'm like, no. No, we don't. Okay, so here's the argument. We go through our grocery list together, and then we agree on it, and then we go get it, right? So that's a fight. So she comes back, and she brings back mini weeds, grocery shopping. And we have a five-minute argument, because nobody in her home ever taught her how to argue properly, so she's not good at arguing. Five-minute argument, about, I'm like, why do we have mini weeds here? We talked about this, and there was like, it was supposed to just be the whatever Honey Nut Cheerios. Like, why? Hey, you want to get your budget unified in a marriage, I'll tell you, it's going to be a fight. But then the budget is in charge, and you go get to go on vacation like we do. Okay, so let me say, I'm like, why is there no mini-weeds? And we're arguing and arguing. And finally she says, after five minutes, she says, but it was on the list. I go, speakerphone, pull up the picture. And then because I'm healthy, I said, that's on me and hung up. What an amazing person you are. I'm like the villain and the hero of that story. That's the funny part, right? Oh, I don't want to talk about that. My health is hard. Health is hard. Why? Because my dad taught me that if you lie, you lose. You can lie to win and you still lose. Come on, somebody. Health is harder. Genesis 19, that evening, the two angels came to the entrance of the city of Sodom. Two angels now. Lot doesn't know they're angels yet, maybe, but Lot was sitting there when he saw them. He stood up to meet them. So he's at the entrance of the city looking for strangers. This is kind of weird. Why? Um, he welcomed them, bowed down. He said, my lords, come home uh, to my home to wash your feet. That's what you should do uh, when you have guests over at your house. <laughs> Biblical. No, they would come in with sandals and they've been walking and all. So, I mean, he's like, this is Middle Eastern culture. Like the guest is everything. Like we'd like, we won't eat, but you can eat, you know, like, and so they come in, you may then get up early and be on your way. Oh no. They replied, we'll just spend the night here in the, in the city square. Now in a Middle Eastern society that's functioning well, because in the back of your mind, you're still like, I don't know. Does God really need to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? Just wait, just wait. That should have been fine. But before they retired for the night, all right, I warned you. All the men of Sodom, young and old, came from all over the city and surrounded the house. They shouted to Lot, where are the men who came to spend the night with you? Bring them out to us so we can have sex with them. Now, don't judge an Old Testament God by a New Testament grace and a soft society. You look back and be like, God seems kind of angry in the Old Testament. Would you be angry about that? Would you be angry as a child growing up in that City, this happens all the time. That's how bad it is. In societies without Christianity, where does it stop? Everybody thinks they're so wise without God. I'm like, historically, where does it go? This is where it goes. So, Lot steps outside. He says, please, my brothers, he begged, don't do such a wicked thing. Then he says this, and I warned you, I have two virgin daughters. They probably weren't virgins because they grew up in the city. I'm just saying. But let me bring them out to you so you can do with them as you wish. But leave these men alone. They're guests and under my protection. And Lot's wife wants to go back to that. Her kids. 
what is happening? Why do you want to go back? This is just the most extreme example of what we do all the time. Why go back? Stand back, they shouted. This fellow came to our town, and now he's acting like our judge. We'll treat you worse than the other men. And they lunged toward Lot to break down the door. But the two angels reached out, pulled Lot into the house, and bolted the door. Then they blinded all the men, young and old, who were at the door of the house, so they gave up trying to get inside. All night, that goes on. At dawn, the angels became insistent. Hurry, they said to Lot, take your wife and your two daughters, get out right now, or you will be swept away in the destruction of the city. This city needed to be destroyed. Guys, this can't be in, on the earth. It cannot go to the next generation and hurt another generation of kids. It can't. So get out. While the, he still hesitated, they seized his hand and his wife and his two daughters and literally pulled them. Some of y'all didn't come to church. You got pulled here by the Holy Ghost. Everything inside of you is kicking and screaming. And, and your friend's like, you're going to pizza with pastors. And they grab your hand and they're going to walk you up the stairs. Because there's something inside of you that still is afraid that you're not going to be able to cut it out here. But that's not how it works. God's made a place for you here, but there's no place for you there. When they were safely out of the city, one of the angels ordered, Oh, this is what Lot's wife is not good at anymore because Sodom and Gomorrah is all suggestions. I oh, do this, you do that. Some church communities are like, now I hate to say it. I mean, the churches in our city are great, but I'm just like, we partner with them all the time. But some church communities are like, you know, we don't really believe the Bible anymore. We don't really, did Jesus really need to save us from sin? Yes, that's the problem. They ordered, run for your lives. Don't look back or stop anywhere. In the, that is God's word for somebody. Don't look back or stop. You got your futures in front of you. Let's go. Escape to the mountain or you'll be swept away. Then the Lord rained down fire and burning sulfur from the sky on Sodom and Gomorrah. He utterly destroyed them along with the other cities and villages of the plain, wiping out all the people and every bit of vegetation. This was the prime land in Canaan was that land and it is gone. Everything that the devil promised you ends up getting burned up, by the way. Sin, oh yeah, it feels good for a minute, but when destruction comes, it takes everything with it. But Lot's wife... Look back as she was following behind him and turned into a pillar of salt. How do you go from living in the tent beside Abraham? Well, Lot picked the best land for himself. He had some old skills that he should have. Abraham's like, well, you pick. I'll take the land you don't want. And Lot's like, I want this land because it looks the best. But sometimes what looks the best isn't the best. And it says he pitched his tent, takes it away from Abram's tent, pitched his tent with the door opening to Sodom. I just want to see what's going on. And you maybe move a little closer. And you're like, we might as well just. And it's not God's best. It's the world's best, but it's not God's best for you. So what happened to her actually happened to my friend's. There's four things that they stopped doing. You can't build a relationship with God. You can't build a relationship with the family of God. It's free. 
Here's what you have to do to maintain it. That's it. Maintaining a relationship is not the same thing as being adopted, y'all. But the adoption is free because we love you and because God loves us. It's free. Free friends. Here's what she stopped doing. You ready? She stopped. My friend stopped remembering the whip. Remember, Israel's like, I want to go back to Egypt. It was great back there. We had fruit. And Joshua and Caleb were like, we got whipped. It was terrible. Every morning that I pray, I remember the whip. I ain't going back to the whip. There was nothing back there for me but a whip. The devil's empty promises and the consequences of sin. And I, I remember the whip. The second thing that my friends stopped doing is they stopped going to a small group with Joshua and Caleb. They stopped going to a small group. I'm just telling you. They start isolating, going back that old way. And well, when you go to small group with Joshua and Caleb, when the power goes out, they're like, oh, we brought batteries. We got some in the car. We'll bring them in. When the life goes out of your marriage and you lose all hope, they're like, we have hope for you. Yeah, because I was spiritually, I was reading this in the Bible this morning. I'll bet you it's for you. Let's pray right now. We're not going down. You need a Joshua and Caitlin in your small group who are like, oh, that giant? Oh, that's not that big a deal. He looks a lot smaller when you cut him at his knees. Let's get on our knees and pray about this thing. Let's get... Number three, my friends took the dream team off of their schedule. The dream team is what we call our team of volunteers here where we serve. And they stop serving. And we say it like this. The dream team doesn't come for, to church for themselves anymore. They come to serve people. And they forgot who it was for. You can't reach your purpose till you help somebody else find their purpose. And health is for helping. And they forgot. And they thought that health was for themselves. And they lost their purpose. The best of the best. And the last thing that they didn't do and that you gotta, you gotta stay in love with Jesus. It began with him, it's gonna end with him. He's gotta be every piece of the middle. You gotta stay in love with Jesus, which means you gotta love what he loves and you gotta hate what he hates. You can't love Jesus and hate the poor. You can't love Jesus and not forgive. You can't love Jesus and not give to the next person. You can't love Jesus and have a heart full of hate. You got to stay in love with Jesus.